This is Brainstem with your host, neuroscientist Dr. Hilary Marusak. Production by Amanpreet and Manmeet Bogle. Dr. Liu, thank you so much for joining us for this episode on burnout. Could you kindly introduce yourself for um, our viewers and listeners? Yeah, uh, I'm Sunny Liu. I'm a cardiac anesthesiologist at Washington University in St. Louis, and I also do clinical informatics research, including a project uh, around burnout, which is why I'm here today. Perfect. Yep. So burnout has been a huge topic of conversation since the beginning of the pandemic and has really continued on. And we talk about burnout in students and parents and healthcare workers, which is what we're going to be talking about and focusing on particularly today. But could you first start by just defining burnout and answering if it is a mental disorder? Yeah. So burnout is traditionally thought of as a syndrome of constellation of symptoms and the symptoms kind of go along three axes. There's emotional exhaustion or kind of like a lack of enthusiasm for the work that you're doing. There's depersonalization or having a lack of empathy for your patients, for your coworkers, for other people that you work with. And then the final component is, is a sense of low professional accomplishment or just feeling like your work is not meaningful anymore. Um, those are the three axes that burnout is typically thought to go along. Um, but to be clear, burnout is not a mental health disorder. It's, you know, distinctly separate. It's just a work-related syndrome. Um, and I think it's should be thought of separately. I mean, it's not a disease in the same way that, you know, we think of depression or anxiety or something like that. That makes a lot of sense. And is burnout um, applicable to non-work-related stressors, like additional caregiving burdens at home, for example? Yeah, I mean, I think traditionally, like the history of burnout research, when Maslach originally defined it, uh, it was thought to be primarily a work-related phenomenon, but like, it just depends on how you define work and like caregiving, even if it's not officially your job, it's still something you spend a lot of time doing. And so, you know, I think it's really common in any empathy involved uh, occupations or responsibilities. That makes sense. Yeah. And recently, again, burnout has been um, a topic of conversation in the public arena because President um, Biden actually just introduced the Dr. Lorna Breen Healthcare Provider Protection Act. Um, This is a bill that establishes grants and requires other activities to improve behavioral health among healthcare providers. And the goal there is really to reduce things like suicide, burnout, other mental health, and even substance use problems um, among healthcare professionals. And for those who aren't aware of her story, um, Dr. Breen was a physician who was actually on the front lines treating COVID patients. You know, when the pandemic hit in 2020, she came down with the virus herself and she took very little time off. Um, When she returned back to work, she had, you know, appeared withdrawn. Her family encouraged her to come home more, take a break, um, seek treatment in mental health um, uh, support for what she was feeling. And unfortunately, she, she later died by suicide. So, um, her story, I know, is just one example of how the pandemic has impacted healthcare workers. So, can you talk more about burnout in the context of healthcare um, specifically? Yeah, so people have studied the incidence of burnout in like the general working population and then specifically in healthcare workers. And it turns out, uh, I mean, the American Medical Association, for example, is really interested in this. Um, it turns out that burnout is about 40 to 50% more prevalent among healthcare workers than the general population. Um, despite equivalent rates of depression and other and suicidal ideation and other comorbid, potentially mental health disorders. Um, so it kind of raises the question, what is it about healthcare work that makes people so much more likely to be burned out? 
And I think, you know, it's, it's not entirely clear. Like we can have a lot of hypotheses about what, what it could be. We could speculate that like in general, it does seem like physicians work longer hours than the, the average person in the general population. It seems like physicians in general, as a result, maybe are less satisfied with their work-life balance or work-life integration is another word that's commonly used. Maybe it has to do with the nature of the work. So we were kind of talking about empathy and like caregiving. Um, it's like any sort of emotional work, um, including being a physician, obviously ends up being really taxing because every patient that you interact with, you are trying to form a connection with. And that can be difficult when you see patients all day, every day. Um, maybe it has to do with the increasing clerical burden in today's modern age of medicine. I think a lot of people wax poetic about how it used to be. You could just lay hands on a patient, take care of them. And now we have all these electronic health records and you have to do all this documentation and billing. And that's not really maybe what you signed up for when you decided to become a physician. And so there's kind of this disconnect between what you want to do and what you have to do. Um, and maybe that's a part of like the increasing consolidation of medicine. We have fewer private practices, fewer physicians kind of owning their own practice, more and more large healthcare organizations. And maybe as a result, physicians feel like they have less control over their work lives than they used to. Maybe now you kind of have higher ups or business executives telling them how they should practice medicine or what they should do versus how, how it was before. And so I think there's a, a large number of reasons that could be contributing to why burnout is more prevalent in the physician population. But I think get, getting back to like, you were talking about the definition of burnout and is it a mental health disorder? I think the reason why we should try not to think of it as it's like not a mental health disorder, because if you think about it like a mental health disorder, you almost want to focus on like the person who has burnout, like there's something wrong with them. And I don't think that that's the right way to think about it at all. I think it's clearly the environment of medicine, the practice of medicine, the system, the organization um, has created an environment where burnout is incredibly prevalent. And it's not that it's anybody's fault for having having burnout it's just like the environment has created a, right like a very rich place where it's very easy for people to be burned out and i think you know you can think about individual level interventions for burnout but it's probably mm -hmm. more worthwhile to think about the system level interventions mm -hmm. to try to prevent this from becoming as big of a problem as it is that makes a lot of sense and what are the consequences you've seen of burnout maybe you know among your colleagues or even you know when you're doing research in this area um, does it have impacts on patient care? Obviously, this burdens, you know, entire families as well. Yeah, so I think we can think about the consequences of burnout on three levels. There's obviously consequences for the physicians themselves who are burned out. And like I was talking about, people who are burned out have higher incidence of comorbid mental health disorders. Like there's a higher incidence of depression among burned out physicians. There's a higher incidence of suicidal ideation among burned out physicians. Also a higher incidence of alcohol abuse. And potentially like you could think about car crashes or something like that. Um, and I think uh, there's even one study that showed that physicians who are burned out have a higher, higher all-cause mortality and, and why that might be, it's, it's hard to really say. I mean, these are all mm -hmm. kind of association type studies. Mm -hmm. um, it also, burnout probably has consequences for the patients as well. So studies have shown that burned out physicians tend to have lower patient satisfaction scores mm -hmm. um, compared to not burned out physicians and, and potentially they have uh, poor quality of care by however you want to define that. But I do think that in terms of looking at the consequences of burnout, it's one of the challenges in the field is that um, the way that we've measured consequences uh, and burnout itself is kind of dependent on people's self-report. So people will, you typically ask people to fill out a survey, are you burned out or not? And maybe it has 20 questions about different aspects of burnout. And then you, ha and then you also ask them like, how, how well do you think you're taking care of patients? How many medical errors do you think that you're making? Mm -hmm. And um, 
It's definitely true that people who are burned out will tell you that they're making more medical errors, but whether they are actually making more medical errors is a separate question. And mm. I think there's less evidence to say that they actually are. Um, Very interesting. But I think that that, you know, the traditionally it's kind of like, clearly it has negative impacts on the health of physicians. It has negative impacts on the satisfaction of patients. Does it have negative impacts on the health of patients and the quality of care? I think the evidence there is not super clear, um, mm -hmm. but you know, a lot of people think that there might be. And then definitely it has impacts for the healthcare system because burned out physicians are more likely to want to like cut their work hours, just change their jobs. And mm -hmm. that, you know, there's like kind of this great resignation providers leaving healthcare. And that is obviously a huge problem for the sustainability of our healthcare system. Right. Has large scale kind of ripple effects on healthcare. How about family members? So spouses or, or you know, children, other members? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like it, I am, in my opinion, at least anecdotally, I feel like people who are burned out, especially like the um, the lack of empathy component of it, the depersonalization component, like you, I kind of think about it as like I only have so much empathy to give in, in any given day or year or something like that. And every interaction, I'm trying to give as much as I can, but eventually, you don't have an infinite well of empathy to give, and right. eventually, it, it maybe runs out, uh, and then your subsequent interactions with whoever, your next patient, your family members, um, I think it maybe was, would be less ideal than it would have been if, if you had had as much empathy as you had when you started the day or when you started becoming a physician. Right, all aspects are affected. That makes total sense. In your opinion, what programs or strategies um, do you think could be introduced by schools or even hospitals or other healthcare settings to help individuals who are struggling with burnout or to combat this issue at a higher level? Yeah, and I think like one, it's not uh, it's not like there's a one slam dunk solution. There's not like a huge evidence base of interventions that will fix the burnout problem. Um, and I think that's important to acknowledge up front. And partially, it's because the attention towards this issue maybe we we weren't paying as much attention to it ten years ago as we are today. Um, but I do think that we're making progress. Um, there are people studying different types of interventions. And I think I would largely put the interventions into two categories. There's like individual level interventions and then there's system level interventions. Um, it seems like based on the meta-analyses that I've seen, the system level interventions tend to be slightly more effective than the individual level interventions, which gets to what I was saying before that burnout is probably a product of the environment rather than something wrong with like any given person who has burnout. Um, and then within the like if we break them up like that, I think within the system level interventions, there's multiple aspects that you can hypothesize about in terms of like, if you think about all those hypothesized causes of burnout, you could think about how you could try to reduce some of them. So like, how could we improve work-life balance, for example? Um, so those are kind of like, if we brainstorm how we might improve work-life balance, like what, what comes to mind? I mean, maybe you could try to reduce work hours. That's easy to say, but harder to achieve because still there's like a fixed amount of work that needs to be done. So either you need to hire more doctors in order to get less or you have to make your doctors more efficient, right? right. So hiring more doctors is going to be expensive and no one is super excited about doing that. Making your doctors more efficient, I mean, maybe there are ideas there. So people have proposed like having more teamwork based in medicine. So instead of having the physician take care of all of their inbox messages and all of their charting, maybe you could hire more medical assistants or more scribes. So help take some of those clerical responsibilities away. And those are things that have been tried at some institutions and have had some success there. Um, and you could also think about making adjustments to the schedule. Like maybe maybe um, instead of having people on call for like a week at a time, you could try to arrange a new call schedule where 
you could have them on call once every few days. So then you kind of break up the number of nights that people are working, or you could try to schedule the vacations or, or, or somehow figure out how to give physicians more control over their schedules. I think that's a big complaint that often comes up that people feel like they don't have control over when they work. Um, and if you could strategize ways to give people more control, that that might be helpful. Um, and then there's kind of process improvements that you could think about kind of from a quality improvement standpoint. You notice that your physicians are really ineffective or the physicians are telling you they're very inefficient because they have to do all this random clicking around in the EHR. Um, and you could try to strategize, like, could we do anything to streamline this process? Could we improve the interface of the EHR in any way? Could we train people to use the EHR better, like better more dot phrases, better smart text so that they can template their notes easier? So that takes fewer clicks for them to accomplish what they want. Um, or there could be like, you know, physical barriers in the workflow of the clinic in terms of how patients move around and you could try to rearrange that to make everything more efficient. So I think those are the largely the interventions that have been tried on the systems level and some of them have been successful, but obviously like they're highly dependent on the particular environment that you're interested in improving, right? Which is kind of gonna limit the generalizability of whatever comes out of it. But by seeing enough examples about how people are able to strategize and improve the efficiency, um, and happiness of their workforce, I think, you know, hopefully we'll continue to make progress. Yeah. And that was a, such a wonderful summary of the a whole body of literature. So kudos to you for, for giving that. But I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about some of your work specifically in this area. Um, so your most recent work uh, used something called machine learning approaches to identify burnout in electronic health ref records. Um, can you tell us more about this work and what you found? Yeah, so um, what we were interested in doing is trying to address the measurement issue. So like I alluded to earlier, one of the big problems with burnout research is that you kind of have to get people to fill out a survey in order to measure it. And people are generally not super excited about filling out surveys. Unless They're you burned out already. Really, <laughs> yeah, the really big carrot to offer them for why right. they should fill out this survey. It just goes in their inbox and it goes out again. Right. Um, so we wanted to figure out if there was some way we we our idea was it would be really cool if we could develop a screening platform for burnout so instead of having to force people to fill out surveys in order to measure their burnout it would be really cool if we could just use data that's automatically already collected in the background from how people are using the ahr and to use that information to identify people who are at risk for burnout that way you could hopefully try to target clinical areas that might be uh, a good opportunity for you to think about these sort of process improvement um, interventions that we were talking about earlier and so i think that you know, that was the, the original idea. Um, the execution of it, we can talk about like, you know, there, I think there's still a lot of challenges and a lot of work to be done here. But the, the bottom idea is that um, physicians right now, they spend a lot of time using the electronic health record. I mean, people speculate that that's part of the reason they're getting so burned out. But like pretty much if you're not a procedural physician, like everything needs to go through the EHR. Like if you need your patient to get a medication, to get a test, you need to put that order in the EHR. So people, like studies have shown that physicians spend over 50% of their time like actively pecking away at the EHR. And the other 50% is like seeing patients and talking to coworkers and things like that. Um, and so for security reasons, like from, for HIPAA purposes, basically, every piece of patient data that is revealed in that EHR that a physician looks at has to be logged so that we can keep track to make sure that no one is inappropriately looking at stuff. That log is called an audit log. So it contains a record of like, this physician looked at this patient and this is the piece of information that they looked at. And then they put in an order for this patient. Um, so it's a very dense log. Like physician, each physician on a typical day will generate over a thousand entries in this log because it's like each piece of information that's viewed or modified is gonna live there. 
And it winds up being, I mean, originally it was designed for security purposes, but it winds up being a very complete picture of a physician's work life because everything needs to pass through the EHR. So we wanted to use that log as a way to try to predict, to build a screening tool to try to predict which physicians might be likely to be burned out. Um, and you know, we had some predictive power. I won't say that it was amazing, but I think it's a step in the right direction. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I, I'm sure like everyone, you get bombarded with surveys, like tell me how burned out you are. And if you're burned out in the first place, you're not going to want to do that extra stuff. So yeah. I love that you were thinking about resources that are already being collected. That's very innovative and important work. Um, we were wondering specifically, is there um, factors that you've noticed or that you would predict um, that could be incorporated into your models to be better predictors, like personality traits, prior history of, of mental disorders or any sort of, you know, stressors? Yeah, I mean, I think you definitely hit the nail on the head, like, because we're only using this log data, which is essentially just clickstream data of how people are using the electronic health record, it's obviously not going to capture the entirety of that person, right? It's only capturing like the work part, and only the EHR focused work part. And there's a lot of other components that we're not capturing that likely feed into their likelihood of getting burned out, like you were saying, like their personality, or what else is going on in their personal lives, or what else was going on in their interactions with patients and coworkers or how they were feeling about leadership, how supported they were feeling at work, their resiliency. I think there's a lot of other factors that clearly impact their um, risk for burnout besides the specific work factors. Um, but in, in terms of our efforts and, and the fact that we didn't capture all of that is part of the reason probably that our models were not super predictive because obviously there's a lot of other factors that contribute. Um, the problem with considering them in a screening tool is that then you need to measure each of those things um, and then you need people to fill out surveys to measure those right, things. Right, and then you're right. kind of like, well, why don't you just ask them if they're burned out then? Right, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that makes sense. And also thinking about things that are happening on kind of a global scale, like COVID or the onset of, you know, the Ukraine war. So all of those things. There's a lot. Humans are complicated, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to ask you, what are you most excited about in terms of research in, in this area in particular? Um, so I, th well, I think there's many things that are potentially exciting. One, I think there's um, increasing attention to burnout as a problem and increasing amount of people publishing uh, work on the interventions that they've designed. And I think the more stuff that's out there, the more that we can hopefully try to learn if there are any generalizable principles of how we can actually improve the burnout problem. Um, and it seems like, uh, like the American Medical Association does surveys of burnout in the physician workforce every three years or so, it seems like. It does seem like the incidence of burnout may be slightly decreasing um, from when they first started measuring it in like 2015. And that's potentially promising. Like there's a lot more attention on the problem. A lot of people trying to figure out different interventions and um, you know, the appointing of chief wellness officers and people actually trying to put interventions to help people. Um, I think that that's a, an area that should continue to grow and it'll be really exciting. Hopefully we'll, we'll have a better idea of which interventions are effective um, in terms of helping to prevent and reduce burnout. Um, in terms of my specific research project, like building this screening platform, um, I think there's a lot that could be done there. Like, um, so our project, it turned out, you know, we didn't have a ton of predictive power. Maybe it's because we didn't measure all of the personal related factors, but you could imagine that if we could add uh, wearable devices, for example, to the sensors, then you still wouldn't need anybody to fill out any surveys, but you wouldn't even wear the wearable device. Um, but at least that could potentially capture some passive data that might reflect on their personal lives a little bit more, like capture a little bit more of that personal information uh, still in like a relatively unintrusive way to, to improve our predictive power. 
Um, another potential issue is just that like the study population that we were trying to build this model for was uh, residents basically. And residents are a really important population to study because they're kind of the lifeblood of most uh, academic medical institutions and they're, they're the physicians of tomorrow. Um, but at the same time, they're really challenging because they're doing a different rotation every month. And because their like workload is so non-steady state and their emotional status is so non-steady state, it was really hard for us to find a signal there. And so I think it'd be really interesting to do this in kind of a population of physicians um, who are in practice and do the same thing day in, day out. I think we'll probably have better results there. Awesome. And we're very excited to hear about where this line of work goes. It's very important work. Is there anything that, um, you know, our, our listeners and our viewers can do to help, you know, raise awareness about this issue? I know you mentioned it's been a topic of conversation for good reason. So what do you suggest? Like, how can we help? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a, kind of a tricky question. I guess, like, self-care is always important. Um, so if you are struggling with, with this problem, you're definitely not alone. Uh, the incidence of burnout among the physician population is somewhere between 40 and 70%. So if you feel like you're burned out, like you are definitely not alone and probably half of your coworkers are feeling the same. And, you know, you should do whatever you feel like is best for you to take care of yourself. I mean, like we, we kind of glossed over the individual level interventions, um, but it's partially because there's not that much evidence. Like people have tried wellness uh, workshops and wellness modules and um, various things. And it's hard to say if any of them had been any more effective than simply giving people more time off. So if people are able to take some time for themselves um, to do whatever they feel like they want to do, whatever they feel like would, would help, um, I would encourage that as much as possible. Um, there is a website like emotionalppe.org um, that was started by Massachusetts General Hospital. Um, they offer a lot of resources for people who are struggling with burnout or mental health. Um, and I think that's something to, to consider looking into if this is something that you're worried about. Awesome. Thank you. And we'll, we will absolutely link to that in the um, bio of this podcast. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Liu. This was such a wonderful um, interview. And, and thank you for your recent work on this topic. I, I really appreciate it. And um, we look forward to seeing what you do next. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Nice to meet you guys. That wraps up another episode of the Brainstem Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and share this with friends and family. And be sure to follow us on social media at Brainstem Podcast.